Hello and welcome to Worship Conversations, a podcast by Awakened Generation. We are a worship missions organisation based in Singapore with a passion to equip and empower the church in all things worship. We are back with another Mentor Me episode where we discuss questions about life we all probably have as we desire to worship and live for the Lord. On this episode, we talk about how to navigate differences in our generations in our communities. Let's get to it. Hello everyone and welcome back to our Mentor Me episode. I'm with Kelvin Ellerys as always. <laughs> and this is the last Mentor Me for this year. Mm-hmm. We hope you've been enjoying this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we're going to land on a wonderful topic. Yeah. Uh, about generations. But I'm not going to ask the questions today. We have <laughs> our very own <laughs> AG intern. <laughs> woo woo! Woo! Um, who's going to ask today's Mentor Me question? Come on, yeah, let's go, on Caitlin. Over. <laughs> Caitlin, what is the burning question that you have about sowing into generations? So how do we as Christians um, of different generations, mm. of different interests, different culture, learn to love one another and connect on a deeper level um, with Christ being in the middle of all of us? Wow. Wow. Great question. Great question. What do you think, Caitlin? <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> so cute. <coughs> All right. So, how can different generations, different backgrounds, different cultures, how can we connect with each other on a deeper level? Well, you think I can just ramble, can just talk, because because I think we often stereotype generations, right? Gen Zs are always like this. Millennials are the the sad, forgotten generation. <laughs> And then the boomers are like, you know, like that. <laughs> so it is it's true that we do have different cultures, different upbringing. Therefore, we have different lenses to see this world. Um, but how can we bridge those differences? Our generation's man. <laughs> well, we got to look at the foundation of scriptures, right? I'm always going back to the scriptures, mm. how... The Lord's commands for us. Of course, it says here in Psalms 145, it says that one generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You know, we are very good at telling stories. I mean, you think about it, right? So some of the history lessons that we learn from our upbringing, but it's actually stories that are told from our parents who talk yeah. about their parents and so forth or whether you have a secret recipe that you've passed down to the next generation. So these are things that are valuable or, you know, in a sense, very uh, uh, sentimental in terms of either, you know, uh, you know, things that has been passed down through values and so forth. But yet, what about the things that the Lord uh, have for generations? And of course, um, I think it's important that, you know, that, God actually established His covenant with His people, and He did it first, of course, you know, with with Adam and Eve, and of course, down the track is Noah, and then later on, that of course, the one person that we know who actually became the father of many nations, and which his name is Abraham, and so as you think about it, God is actually a covenantal keeping God; He keeps His covenant, and and of course, we have been blessed because the covenant has been extended to us through. Jesus, mm. when he died on the cross, he made that way that us Gentiles 
we are grafted into the family of God, just as how Abraham was grafted in with his covenant with God himself, but we have been put in there. And so I, I think this is important here because um, I mentioned this in our, uh, our convergence that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. Mm. And we have seen it in scriptures. We have seen it where if, if, if the generation that are current does not impart and teach and share about the ways of the Lord, they will forget about the Lord and they will lead in their own ways. Mm. And so in, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 7, it says, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Ask your elders and they will tell you. And so there's this thing about not just transfer of wealth, but also transfer of, you know, the, 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 the knowledge and wisdoms of the Lord because we need the ancient path of old to guide us. So many of us, we study history, we, we, we learn from history, and yet history tells us of things that we should not do or we should do. And that's why, that's why the ways of the Lord is higher than our ways. His thought is higher than our thoughts, and we need that. And so I, I, I think in terms of Caitlin's question, I mean, the very thing that she say is, you know, how do you anchor in Christ? So obviously, who's the center of everything? Correct. Christ, Jesus Christ. I mean, Scripture says, three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Yeah. I mean, we can be separate individual, but when we are, I always see ourselves, if we wrap ourselves in alignment with the, with the main cord, everything flows from that place. Mm. And so, again, I think there's no one answer that fits all. I think every generation has their strength. When I talk about generation, it's within our generation that is living. Yeah. So it can be your grandparents to your parents to you and to your kids. So that could be four generations in one main generation. And so all ge every generation have different strength and have different wisdom and have different weaknesses as well. Yeah. And so uh, I think the thing that is important is how do we figure that out in that tension in our living, in our communication and in our really connection that help us to see the best in each other but also give our strength to each other in a way that we can be. So let's say, for example, I mean, the, the, the discrepancy between the old generation, young generation, we talk about all the time, right? You know, so the young generation is, we're very zealous. We're very passionate. Mm. And uh, we take a lot of risks. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't care what's going to happen to us. But then as you get older in life, you realize you have things that you have settled in, you have, you know, things that you're hold responsible for and, and there are things that, that, that causes you to reevaluate, is it worth that? And so the old gen, older generation, even though they may not have that strength, when I say strength, it's not just your physical strength in a sense, but they have, you know, have vast of wisdom that they carry because of experience. I mean, Imagine a 40-year-old person versus a 20-year-old person. The vast of experience is very different because you have gone through hardship and you know you make mistakes and you learn from that. So that's wisdom. And then you talk about resource-wise, you know, you know, you have a 20-year hit of start that you can accumulate not just knowledge but wealth. So obviously, it carries a different kind of strength. But yet, at the same time, actually, you need each other for different things. And so, rather than being 
opposed to each other, this is where you need to find the common ground or the middle ground where actually we can serve one another. Yeah. And of course, scripture does say it's very clearly to, to, to honor and obey your leaders and or, or you know your elders. Why? Because there is wisdom and it's God's command to say that 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 it brings blessing, it brings honor, and it transfer uh, the the knowledge and the wisdom impartation. But the problem is that when when we do things on our own, we become our, our own. Um, I think was enemy by by pushing each other's agenda to each other's throat. Then it causes clash for that. And so and and actually that's that's the enemy's desire is that we'll be divided. Mm. And you see the the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren comes against to to accuse yeah. you day and night. And so you have a generation that feels like you don't hear me, you don't hear me. I feel like I'm not supported. And and an older generation may be, hey, you know what? They they are they are they're immature, they're naive, they don't know what they're doing. So these are maybe valid points, but at the same time is that I think that's where, you know, again, I think when we look at biblically, when we look at God's kingdom, is he's like, okay, would you do it my way? You know, and Jesus actually modeled that perfect example. And Jesus, I mean, if you put in human terms, a father and a son, Jesus said this, I only do what my father tells me. That means that not just what he tells him, but there's an acknowledgement and there's a humility of acknowledging that I need to heed my father's voice. And yet the father who is so pleased with him that at his, I would not say graduation, but his baptism, when he was baptized, he came out from the water. The first thing that father say is what? I'm so well pleased with you. This is my son. So that's an acknowledgement that Jesus had not done anything supernaturally in his miracles. In fact, he was obedient for 30 years. The acknowledgement of the Father was that I'm so pleased with you. So I think perhaps that maybe on the earthly sand, maybe we need fathers and mothers in the spirit that will be more cheerleaders and champions or, and, and you know, giving courage and affirming um, the younger generation to take risks, to step out, to walk under the covering of that. So I think we need to figure that out. In a sense, of course, we're not there yet, or we hope to be there. Um, but then there's this tension that we go through, so it's very real. Yeah, I think I have a um, a very s uh, simple thought, actually, of of, of uh, Caitlin's question, mm. which I think: what if really the way that we approach like walking into generation is that you should um, ask questions and learn to listen. Yeah, that means you are interested in the value and the wisdom that the older generation has and also for older generation that they're interested in what God is showing the younger generation. Yeah, yeah because I think why there's tension between intergenerations sometimes is because there's already that preconceived judgment yeah. mm. that like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Like like for the young people, you don't know what you're doing and the old people, like they're already. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're always like it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so like when I think about like my own... Um, life growing up, my up, my upbringing, because I, I do have you know a, a close relationship with my parents. You know, I feel like the the thing that they did well, even though like we are obviously of different generation, different interests, things like that. Um, but they were very good listeners. Mm. Yeah, so they would always like you know ask me questions like, "How was your day? You know, how you get along with this person? What have you been discovering? Things like that." And so then, um, when you when you learn to uh, when you learn to uh, uh, listen, you know, uh, it really fosters a, 
a close relationship. Yeah. Yeah, because you um, are wanting to understand the other person. You're wanting to, um, you know, not first come across with, you know what, this is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you should do it my way. Instead, you know, okay, like, you know, what, what, what challenges are you facing? You know, what, what ideas do you have? What has God been showing you? You know, and guiding guiding um, the other generation uh, uh, along that way. You know, I think that that builds relationship, that fosters relationship. Listening, yeah, yes, simple, but the hardest, probably the hardest thing to do. Mm, yeah, but it's a very simple thing to do. Is yeah, and and I think um, I mean, I don't know if it's a practical way, but I think a big thing for myself as a millennial. Um, is I really constantly have to fight my preconceived judgments about the different generation. Yes. yes. <laughs> they always is a, is a phrase that you should delete mm. from your mindset. Yeah. They always, I mean, all of us have to fight that mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that, that is a, that's really a judgment upon a generation um, that is probably not God given, mm. you know? Um, and I think, Cultivating humility in your own heart, whatever generation you are, is probably the a, a difficult, but maybe the thing that will allow us to walk intergeneration intergenerationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the humility, right? Yeah. Is when I mentor um, Gen Zers. Uh, sometimes I hear them talk. I'm like, ah, gosh, <laughs> like, wow. And then, and then. And then taking a step back and going, okay, 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 no, Lord, let me surrender that to you. Let me see, you know, um, what is the the strength, you know, that you have given to them. What is the the um, the revelation that mm. you've given to them in this generation? That's why they are struggling with all these things. Yeah, right. It's it's because they have been placed in such a time, and therefore they go through stuff that needs an older person to come in and and realign or clarify yeah um so i think constantly fighting myself to just be like okay how can i serve rather than how can i change yeah yeah you know because i probably won't be able to change the person but i can serve and i can help that person to see god in whatever generation that they are and wherever they are in their maturity Mm -hmm. right um even for older generations like sometimes i'm so tempted to look at my parents be like y'all need to <laughs> no, 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 no. Feel like I need to fight that. I need to fight mm-hmm. that with all my being and just say, Holy Spirit, like yeah. what have you given my parents' generation that yeah. I have not grasped? Yeah. Um, and how can I call that out of them mm. and allow them to walk in the fullness of their calling? Yep. Right? Um Yeah, and I think what Calvin mentioned just now about every generation has its strengths and has its weaknesses. Um, I think it's just accepting that and accepting that we have our weakness in mm. our own generation um, and not to elevate ourselves above any other generation. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yep, agreed. Those are my thoughts. Very true. Um, let, let's talk about walking intergenerationally, right? Because uh, I think next year, our 2024 school applications is titled Inheritance. Yes. Um, and a big part of this uh, revelation is actually about intergeneration, right? Mm. We we really want to talk about what it means to hand the inheritance or the legacies that God has given each generation mm. down. Um, and maybe Calvin, you would like to share with us this powerful dream that you had um, about this. Yeah, I again, this powerful dream I, I think is is prophetic in the sense that I, I sense the Lord is giving an invitation for us to, to grapple with. And so in this dream, I, I, I saw myself uh, in an open field 
but then it's interesting that in this open field I saw there were many batons. Uh, if you know, if you do relay race, oh, there you go, Delphine, you have one right there, a baton, uh, or in in uh, in other other accents, Languages. other accent is baton, baton or baton. I'll just use the word baton, and uh, there were so many batons that was lying on the ground, and I remember I was quite shocked. And and normally batons are, are used for relay race, and 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 people are holding it, but it's all over the over the ground. And I I heard in that dream, I heard the voice of the Lord says, "These are batons that have been dropped by people who did not finish well, or they have left it because they didn't want to carry on." And these batons represent inheritance, uh, inheritance of where I, I I have given to this generation, and and some of them did not uphold it, or some of them, you know, decided to to drop it there because they are they they don't they are not considering the other generations. And so I I remember that dream. I I I was crying, I was weeping, and I was saying, Lord, how could this be? And then I I felt the invitation of the Lord to say, Would you? Pick pick up the batons once again and run with it, and continue the legacy that I have began through the generations. Yeah. And I sense the Lord saying, "It's not just about our own legacy, our own inheritance, but it's actually His inheritance, yeah. which is the legacy and inheritance that God is one that one God, that one day God will return to receive His reward. Yeah. And what is His reward?" It's the inheritance of the nations coming to the saving grace and the knowledge of His Son, and so and and I think about this. I think about how all of us, you know, we we all want to pass down something. I mean, the reason why we have received something from our parents is because they thought about us, and their previous generation thought about us. I'll give you one example of what 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 inheritance may look like. Because sometimes we think inheritance may have to do with monetary, may have to do with uh, like a a special. Possession or give, I, I, and and two examples I want to give you was that one of them was that I my, when when my my mom's side my grandfather passed on and um, I remember so clearly that I I missed his funeral actually because I was away and they couldn't get in touch with me and finally when I got in touch with them um, I came back the funeral was done I was quite devastated because I, I have great memories of my grandfather growing up he was very muscly he was um, you know in a sense a kind of bodybuilder interesting eh? mm-hmm. and uh, he would always carry me with his arm and he would take me out to eat ice cream probably that's why I love eating ice cream um, but I remember coming back home uh, to, to his you know his house where he he you know grew up and, and passed on there were other there were things that he left behind so to speak like his clothing his ties or other possessions and I remember uh, my mom says oh the your, your different cousins of yours have taken whatever that they like from grandpa and so I kind of say hey, but there's some grandpa stuff here which you can't have a look at it and I say sure and and I saw there were a few watches and there was one particular watch I kind of was drawn to that and I grabbed that and I say I like this watch mom and my grandmother spoke and says actually this is your grandfather's favorite watch but interestingly, this watch is not anything spectacular. It was just a plain gray silver watch. But yet it, it doesn't look amazing. But the value was that he loved this watch more than anything. Mm. And so because of that, I took that watch and I say, because grandpa loved this, I'm going to love this watch. Mm. It's the desire. Mm, wow. and, then, and then another story is that um, 
this is during COVID time when and Alaris and I were, we, we, the Lord spoke to us about moving out of our, our, our previous place and the Lord was going to give us our own home. And of course, uh, by God's grace, we found a place and we were able to put a down payment for our, our house. And of course, when you put a down payment, you are emptying your savings and then, you know, to do that. And of course, when you put a down payment, you have to pay for the loan. But then the next thing is that when you get your place, guess what? You have to do renovation. Yeah. And so the renovation costs a certain amount, which is quite extensive for the, uh, substantial for that. And I remember, remember COVID time, nobody's able to go out. So my grandmother passed away, I think back in 2018 or 19, just before COVID. And uh, what was interesting that after, you know, she passed away, you know, there was a view that was given. And the view basically says that, um, um, you know, the property will be divide, you know, the property and the possessions. And I think she has some, you know, shares and everything put together. Uh, it will be divided uh, among the family members. And it's interesting that um, that out of the three siblings, uh, my my mom's brother and sister, and then that's her, and uh, and so they were basically trying to sort out. But then she has one particular property that uh, was on market. But the problem is that the property next to her property was not a house, but the house was kind of set on fire, was burned down, and so it affected the property sale. And so what was interesting was that. Um, during COVID, they were trying to sell this property, but they couldn't sell it. So for three years, it was just dead silence. It was quiet. Nobody came around. I mean, the house outside kind of grew into a bush in, in a sense. And it was interesting that during the time that was where we were really praying about, Lord, how are we going to uh, have the finance to do our renovation because we didn't want to take another loan. And then I get a phone call from my mom and saying, Calvin, you wouldn't believe this. Some businessman came to this property, which is in Malaysia, and in during COVID time, because COVID time, nobody is going out, nobody is buying anything, everybody's keeping mm. their reserves, and he decided he wants to buy grandma's property and the neighbor's property that was burned down. Mm. And so when they basically bought it, they put all the the cash and everything funds together. They divided between the three siblings, and so they have the funds. And but what was interesting, my mom say that that is interesting because in grandma's will. She said that that uh, she wanted in a wish that a portion of the inheritance that she has, she would like it to go to somebody who's in full-time ministry in the family. Wow. And guess what? It's you. I'm the only one who's in full-time <laughs> ministry in the family. And when they divide a property, when they put the cash together, it was exact the same amount that we needed for our renovation for our house. You can't make these things up. So <laughs> when you think about it, inheritance is connected to a generation that has thought about you or have lived in such a way that they prepare for the next generation that will succeed over them. Yeah. My, my conviction and my challenge for me is that, that every generation we have to wrestle with the fact that we cannot become complacent nor can we become entitled with what has been given to us. Because when, we're, when we receive an inheritance, it is our time and our season to steward it well yeah. so that we can grow it, we can mature it, and we can hand it over to the next generation that yeah. will do better than us. That's right. So the inheritance that's been given to us in a sense, in a shape of a house, we are literally stewarding it well so that when people come, they can enjoy and they can testify and say, wow, isn't God amazing for that? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I think um, the inheritance doesn't just refer to wealth, although we are probably most familiar with yeah. money inheritances. Um, but something that your your grandma did was just so amazing was that she actually put there like someone who served the Lord. You know, I want to give. Um, I think there's something for us to think about. Um, but but what are some of the inheritances do you think that have been dropped? You think like just from observations, what are some of these batons maybe? I think God gives us dreams and assignments. Um, but because we are so caught up with with the worldly possessions and the worldly attractions that we forget the desires of the Lord. Yeah. And so for example, again, um again it's a calling. You know, uh scripture says many are called but a few are chosen. And I don't mean that Oh, whether God chooses you or not, I think it depends on the choices that is given to us. I think we are living in a day where there are so many options and choices. I mean, I'm reminded by a story of of a, of a wrestler that um, was. I mean, when I talk about wrestling, I'm not talking about WWF. You know, that's the real one. But no, I'm talking about like actual wrestling in in schools and and uh, this particular wrestler. This was a true story. I'm trying to remember where 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 I read it. But he will he he has mastered and trained in such a way that he's win every wrestling match and he became a, a champion a, a school national champion, and so of course the the journalist interview him says, hey um, that you're amazing how in the world can you consistently beat uh, every single challenges in fact you almost lost a race but somehow you were able to grab yourself and win this uh, tournament, and how how give us a secret how you do that. And he looked at the journalist and he says, it's easy. I have no option. I only have one option. And it's to do it consistently. And of course, it sounds simple, but then many people don't realize that this wrestler only has one arm. Mm. <laughs> and so when we're given options, we become selective and picky. And Jesus didn't have any options in fact, he has the option. Yeah. I mean, God gives us choice, right? I mean, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was confronted with the choice before him. And yet, in his humanity, in the suffering and the agony of the pain that even many scholars describe him bleeding, sweat, sweating with blood, that's the ultimate highest pressure of, 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 of what someone can go through with agony. And yet, when he was tested, the Lord says very clearly, not my will be done, but your will. And so I, I, I sense that so many of us, the reason why the baton is dropped because there are so many choices that will actually counterintuitively challenge us to say, I'd rather take the road of easiness rather than take the road that is actually righteous and right. Yeah. And so we have so many, again, we all f are tested in that way do we really love the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or do we love the Lord when it's, when it's convenient? And so, again, maybe because of the society we grew up with, with the fear of man, with the fear of not having enough. Again, we all go through that, especially as Asians, right? You know, I want to serve the Lord. Okay, make sure you, you get the best job first and then you serve the Lord later. Mm. Or, hey, actually, who's Lord then? Is it your career or is it the Lord? Mm. 
or you know again i i quote this many times where and i i love to quote that bill johnson spoke that has impacted my life in many ways he says this if you live cautiously your friends will call you wise if you live cautiously your friends will call you wise but you won't move any mountains mm. and this thing that is wrapped in cautious is wrapped in wisdom but it's human wisdom is not god's wisdom and we celebrate a lot of the achievements of people who got first place and so forth but yet we don't look at their lifestyle or their character and so i think i think we we are challenged with the fact that that if god has called you to do something of course you know if you're young and immature you need the guidance you need fathers and mothers that will guide you and so i i'm you know one thing i'm very grateful for in in my life with with my parents even though Again, they came to know the Lord later in their years. Of course, there's that strictness of, you know, study hard and get your grades and get a good job. Again, they didn't know better in terms of oh, God's call calling for your life is different because my parents are human. You know, back then they would disagree with me and they would they would say you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't go full time ministry and so forth. But on the hindsight, because they they have to wrestle with themselves with the Lord. In fact, I was an Isaac in the eyes of my father. And my father had to release me to the Lord and says, "Lord, you know better. I give you my son to you." And I think my parents haven't stopped praying for me until now mm-hmm. that I would do the things of the Lord. And because of that, you know, now they get to talk about me in front of their friends. They send their their newsletters to all my friends to say, "Hey, support my son" and stuff like that. I I think I think with every parents who are believers, again, because I've journeyed with so many young men and women as well. A lot of the parents, at the end of the day, they will say, "You know, as successful as my son is, he's not walking with the Lord anymore. As successful as my daughter is, they're, they're not serving God." If if there's one thing that I can change is that that they will love the Lord, the Lord, their God with all their heart, so my strength. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this this baton or baton that we we talk about is is really such a powerful metaphor because. I think generationally, each one of us have been um, given like something that the Lord has called, whether it's our churches, whether it's our communities, um, even on a personal level. Yeah. Um. But, but this race that we run, you know, Hebrews twelve it says that, and therefore, so we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Like Correct. they have run their they have run their race already, but they are yeah. cheering us on because it's yeah. not finished, like you said, it's yeah. not finished until the last runner finishes the race. Yes. Right. So just. Um, that whole idea of this, this until Jesus comes back again, it's a relay run. Yeah. Just makes this this baton so important to yeah. us. Like, like first of all, we need to steward it well, right? You need to run the race well, holding on to it. Like, don't fumble because you see relay runs in the Olympics and they fumble, and you're like, ah, you this collective like panic. And I can just imagine the cloud witnesses also like, <laughs> ah! <Yep. laughs> you know, like, yep. oh, why this person never steward this well? <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, so I think there's the responsibility. Um, but when it comes to generationally as well, um, there's something very important about baton handing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. Because one, you can't snatch it, right? No, you can't snatch it. Um, because you're both running. It's, it's, it's hard to describe it over this, but, you know, <laughs> if, if, I can, if I can describe it, the you know every every runner has their own strength in the four by hundred meters race mm. and sometimes you have your, your your the first guy who runs who sets the tone yeah and then the second person who 
consistently run to, to maintain that pace so that the third person can run. But then, of course, the fourth one is the, the one that pushes us through. Yeah. And I think what determines a runner, first of all, are you running the lane that God has called you to run? Mm. I think so many uh, believers or so many uh, you know, followers of Christ, and I think something that, I, again, I, I say this in humility, parents, you know, really pray and ask the Lord, what is it that you have for my sons and daughters in the lane that they should run? And I realize that many parents may not, again, you know, may unintentionally, because they didn't, they didn't um, acquire their dream or they didn't see their dream comes to fruition, they start putting their own dreams on their children to try to fulfill their own dreams. And I think that's something that we need to repent from. Uh, I say this with humility, because God has dreams for your children, God has dreams for our children, and it's for us to uh, realign our hearts with the Lord to see that now the role of parents is, is yes, we need to disciple them, love on them, rebuke them, correct them, so that they walk in the ways of the Lord. Mm. I think that's very important. And so if we're running the wrong lane, we'll be disqualified. I mean, that's, you know, and that's the first thing that's, that's recognized. You run in your lane, be faithful in what God has called you to. But the interchange moment happens when you're actually running around the corner. Mm. And so the person who's the, sec the second or the third runner, depends, the runner's receiving, they're always, they always, they're always keeping an eye out for the runner that's going to hand the baton. So actually, I want to encourage actually this young generation here. That's why it's so important that you, f you, you look at your heroes, you look at the fathers and the mothers, you look at those who are running before you because that will inspire you to prepare your heart to run. And normally, the interchange happens between 20 feet. Mm. And so that's where a lot of the young people at either 17, 18, 19 years old, they catch the fire and normally the preachers or the, the pastors are in their either double their age or in their 30s or 40s. So they start running for the Lord. Mm. And as they start running for the Lord, guess where? So those of us who have been in ministry are looking to hand over, that's where we're going to be ready to pass the baton. And so as you're running, it's important that the one who's receiving, they, don't, they never turn around and try to grab it off them. <laughs> Number one, you actually interrupt your pace. Yes. You're running for the Lord. You're not running for the, the last runner. Yeah. And so many times the young generation, they're chasing after, you know, the, you know, and the personality. This is a good catch. We're chasing after personality. We're chasing after the, the, the giftings. Rather, we should be focusing on the Lord, but yet at the same time being inspired by those who are running before us. I mean, we all have our heroes of the faith. Mm -hmm. We all like, man, I aspire to be that but I got to run my race, but that encourages me. And so as I, as I run my race, I realize that if I'm receiving, I have to have a posture of humility. And so until I have that posture of humility, I'm not trying to grab something out of somebody. Yeah. You don't want to have the spirit of Absalom. Mm. Something, something for us young people to read that. What is the spirit of Absalom? Grab. Grab and actually did, do everything to take down the father. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a religious spirit, that's a political spirit. And yet, at the same time, the person who's in the baton, which I would say is the older generation, are you ready? They have to learn how to give it in the right place. And normally, you call it a high, they call it the high and low re receivership. 
receiving end. So <laughs> low, whatever. But many times, this is the part where the older generation, we need to pay attention to this. If you're going to give it, if you're going to pass it, normally they will shout. It says, baton coming, baton coming. Mm-hmm. That means that you're announcing, hey, I'm raising up sons and daughters. I'm calling out. I'm calling. See, many times we don't call. We're not, we're not calling sons and daughters. We're not affirming them. We're not calling them out because they're hidden. And we're calling out the baton. Guess what? When you do, when you pass the baton up, up, up. Yeah, see? Giving that. And guess what? It's a full catch. But many times, the problem is that a lot of fathers and mothers who may have issues of handing over. Uh, issues. They, they, they struggle to release. <laughs> Why? Because of insecurities, because of, you know, whether you have lack of faith on that. And guess what happens? It this drops. drops. Or they do not run the pace that they should be. Yeah, it slows them down. Because at some point of time, the pace that you're running is equal. And so if you don't pass it properly, the baton will drop and guess what? Both generations disqualify. And the beautiful part about this is that when the older generation pass it, guess what happens? They will basically scream and yell and say, come on, go further. Yeah. But sometimes we forget to be cheerleaders. Mm. We become critics and complain and ridicule them rather than Hey, keep going. You got it more. And, and they're still running. But guess what? The pace of the f- previous runner is slowing down. But then it's a boost for the new, the runner, new runner to run. And it, and, it, and it translates to the next runner. Yeah. And guess what? I cannot celebrate fully until you finish your race. You cannot celebrate fully until the, the last person race race. So the question is that how can we tell if we're winning the race? That's why it's the fourth generation. You need a hand. My success is depending on how I raise you and how I champion you to see you champion others. That's why, that's why Paul tells Timothy so clearly here. It's in the scripture here. It says, it says here that um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love that Timothy call, I love that Paul called Timothy my child. He's, he's adopted him as his spiritual son. And he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who's able to teach others as well. That's good. So job is not finished. Yeah. Job is not finished. And what we pass down will determine our future. And so the future is at stake. And we, we pass down things that may not even matter, like traditions. I'm sorry, like possessions of, of things that may not have eternal value. Mm. But one thing does have eternal value is the knowledge and the saving, the no, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and who He is. Yeah. It's, the, it's, 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 it's the, the most important part of the revelation of God, who He is as a Father. That's good. And so that's why you might, you might start off the race on the wrong foot, but by jolly well, please finish the race well. <laughs> By the grace of Jesus. By the grace of Jesus. <laughs> but you want to say something? No. So, um, so that's why I believe the Lord has, is, is giving us an invitation to pick up the baton where we left off. Again, whether it's in ministry, whether, you know, again, we can point fingers and say, oh, my cell leaders. I mean, yes, we, we go through pain. We go through, uh, who, who hasn't? 
I've, I've been offended, I've been, you know, betrayed, I've been, you know, been, been accused and for the wrong or whatever reason. And that's why, you know, Jesus gave his disciples the Lord's, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's actually the disciples' prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And interestingly, that shift takes place. What it says next? Give us. Give us this day our daily bread and help us to forgive those who trespass against us. So the Lord knows exactly that we're going to be offended. Yeah. And he says, but the key is that forgive, keep a short account. Don't let it stumble you from serving him fully. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the generation we complain, we say, oh, the reason why I'm not serving God is because this they did it to us. And yet God is the one that's standing. He's not on trial. We are on trial. Yeah. And so we need to ask him, Lord, will you give us grace? And, and again, I, I think this is something that's sobering for us to, to realize that. And the enemy loves to divide us. Mm. And if we can see past that, actually there's, there's a lot of good in that team unity. And so my prayer is for for us to find that. And I, I love the fact that in, in, in the waking generation here, we have intergenerations that are working and yeah. serving this team here. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So those are my, my thoughts. Go buy yourself a baton and run the race. Um, I think that's uh, a good place to land today. Um, and I think we want to encourage our listeners to think about what are some of the inheritances that has been given to your churches, to your communities, um, even to your families. Um, and to ask the Lord, like, has the baton been dropped? You know, like, and, and it's not to find out who, who dropped it, you know, and pin the blame, but to ask the Lord, like, Lord, how can we pick it up again? And how can we run so that the next generation can receive what you've given us? And, and ultimately, the, the biggest baton of them all is probably um, that, that the Lord will have his reward, right? That we hand on, like, generation after generation, that we will love the Lord with all our hearts, so Amen. mind, strength, you know, and that we would labor for the Lord himself yes. um, to, to have what he, he gave so much for. Um, so, yeah, let's pray to close. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that you're a God of generations um, and that you are beyond time, Lord, and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Um, and we just pray, Lord, we just offer up our communities, our, our churches, our families to you. God, we just repent. We just turn back to you again and ask um, for, for your forgiveness. Uh, if there's any um, areas, Lord, that we have fallen <coughs> short of um, and we have not allowed you to work in our communities, to work in our hearts, that we have not honoured previous generations or we have not um, trusted the next generations or sown into the next generations, Lord, we just ask for, for your leadership in this area. And God, we just pray that you will soften our hearts even to the generations that are around us. Lord, keep us from proclaiming judgment on others, but help us to be people who of humility and who would listen and would call out even the God-given destinies for each generation in our lifetime. Uh, we just thank you, Lord, um, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
Amen. We hope that this episode has been a blessing to you, and we just pray that we would be people who honor generations uh, and would sow into the next, so that the Lord will have people who will love Him from generation to generation. If you are looking for intentional mentorship in worship and you want to expand on this whole thing about inheritance, we welcome you to join our worship mentorship school. More details on our website. 